Welcome to Commuting with Kids, a podcast that will entertain you and your kids. A place filled with stories from people all over, and you never have to worry about the language. So keep the traffic from driving you crazy, and enjoy Commuting with Kids. And here's your host, Stacy Caldwell. Hey, today I'm going to share part of a story called The Swiss Family Robinson. Have you ever had a book that had such an impact on you. It was just the most exciting thing to hear about. And then they turned it into a movie and that was exciting to watch. And then there was part of it at Disneyland, an attraction that you could go through. Well, for me, that was Swiss Family Robinson. This book actually was written back in 1812. I couldn't believe it when I looked that up, that it was all the way back in 1812. And uh, it was based on the idea that a family was on a ship headed for Australia and the ship got off course and then became shipwrecked. And they were stranded on a deserted island in the East Indies. So I'm going to read chapter one to you. The language is a little bit older. Uh, Things are written slightly differently than they would be today. But I think you'll get the excitement and we'll talk a little bit about it. So here goes chapter one, shipwrecked and alone. For many days we had been tempest-tossed. Six times had the darkness closed over a wild and terrific scene, and returning light as often brought but renewed distress. For the raging storm increased in fury, until on the seventh day all hope was lost. We were driven completely out of our course. No conjecture could be formed as to our whereabouts, The crew had lost heart and were utterly exhausted by the incessant labor. The masts had gone by the board, leaks had been sprung in every direction, and the water, which rushed in, gained upon us rapidly. Every man on board alternately commended his soul to his creator and strove to think himself of some means of saving his life. My heart sank as I looked round upon my family in the midst of these horrors. Our four young sons were overpowered by terror. Dear children, said I, if the Lord will, he can save us from this fearful peril. If not, let us calmly yield our lives into his hand and think of the joy and blessedness of finding ourselves forever and ever united in that happy home above. At these words, my weeping wife looked up bravely, and as the boys clustered round her, she began to cheer and encourage them with calm and loving words. I rejoiced to see her fortitude, though my heart was ready to break as I gazed on my dear ones. Our hearts were soothed by the never-failing comfort of childlike prayer, and the horror of our situation seemed less overwhelming. Ah! thought I. He will hear our prayer. He will help us. Amid the roar of the thundering waves, I suddenly heard the cry of, Land! Land! While at the same instant the ship struck with a fearful shock, and which threw everyone to the deck and seemed to threaten her immediate destruction. Dreadful sounds betokened the breaking up of the ship and the roaring waters poured in on all sides. Then the voice of the captain was heard above the tumult, shouting, Lower away the boats! We are lost! Lost! I exclaimed, 
and the word went like a dagger to my heart. But seeing my children's terror renewed, I composed myself, calling out cheerfully, Take courage, my boys. We are all above water yet. There is land not far off. Let us do our best to reach it. You know God helps those that help themselves. With that, I left them and went on deck. What was my horror when though the foam and spray I saw only remaining the boat and the ship, the last of the seamen sprang into her, pushing off. Regardless of my cries, that we might be allowed to share their slender chance of preserving their lives. My voice was drowned in the howling of the blast, and even had the crew wished it, the return of the boat was impossible. So now picture for just a minute this story, and you've got this big ship, and it's being tossed to the left and to the right, and water is pouring in, and it's cold. And now... Some boats were lowered over the side because so much water is coming into the boat, they're sure it's going to sink. And the crew jumps off into the boats, and you're left on the boat with your family. So now, keep listening. Casting my eyes despairingly around, I became gradually aware that our position was by no means hopeless, inasmuch as the stern of the ship containing our cabin was jammed between two high rocks and was partly raised from among the breakers which dashed the forepart to pieces. As the clouds of mist and rain drove past, I could make out, through rents in the vaporous curtain, a line of rocky coast. And rugged as it was, my heart bounded toward it as a sign of help in the hour of need. Yet the sense of our lonely and forsaken condition weighed heavily upon me as I returned to my family, constraining with our good ship will never sail more. She is so placed that our cabin will remain above water. And tomorrow, if the wind and waves abate, I see no reason why we should not be able to get ashore. These few words had immediate effect on the spirits of my children who at once regarded our problematic chance of escaping as a happy certainty and began to enjoy the relief from the violent pitching and rolling of the vessel. My wife, however, perceived my distress and anxiety in spite of my forced composure, and I made her comprehend our real situation, greatly fearing the effect of the intelligence on her nerves. Not for a moment did her courage and trust in providence forsake her and on seeing this my fortitude revived we must find some food and take a good supper said she it will never do to grow faint by fasting too long we shall require our utmost strength tomorrow night drew on the storm was as fierce as ever and at intervals we were startled by crashes announcing further damage to our unfortunate ship Very well. Had it been said kindly, Fritz, my boy, you too often speak harshly to your brothers, although you may not mean to do so. A good meal being now ready, my youngsters ate heartily, and retiring to rest, were speedily fast asleep. Fritz, who was of an age to be aware of the real danger we were in, kept watch with us.
after a long silence. Father, said he, don't you think we might contrive swimming belts for the mother and the boys? With those, we might all escape to land, for you and I can swim. Your idea is so good, answered I, that I shall arrange something at once, in case of an accident during the night. We immediately searched about for what would answer the purpose, and fortunately got hold of a number of empty flasks and tin canisters, which we connected two and two together, so as to form floats sufficiently buoyant to support a person in the water and my wife and young sons each willingly put one on. I then provided myself with matches, knives, cords, and other portable articles, trusting that should the vessel go to pieces before daylight, we might gain the shore not wholly without anything. Fritz, as well as his brothers, now slept soundly. Throughout the night, my wife and I maintained our prayerful watch, dreading at every fresh sound some fatal change in the position of the wreck. At length, the faint dawn of day appeared. The long, weary night was over, and with thankful hearts we perceived that the gale had begun to moderate. Blue sky was seen above us, and the lovely hues of sunrise adorned the eastern horizon. I aroused the boys, and we assembled on the remaining portion of the deck when they, to their surprise, discovered that no one else was on board. Hello, Papa. What has become of everybody? Are the sailors gone? Have they taken away the boats? Oh, Papa, why did they leave us behind? What can we do by ourselves? My good children, I replied, we must not despair, although we seem deserted. See how those on whose skill and good faith we depended have left us cruelly to our fate in the hour of danger? God will never do so. He has not forsaken us, and He will. Tr we will still trust him. Only let us bestir ourselves and each cheerily do his best. Who has anything to propose? The sea will soon be calm enough for swimming, said Fritz. And that would be all very fine for you, exclaimed Ernest. But think of mother and the rest of us. Why not build a raft and all get on shore together? We should find it difficult, I think, to make a raft that would carry us safe to shore. However, we must contrive something. And first, let each try to procure what will be of the most use to us. Anyway... We all went to see what was to be found. I myself proceeding to examine, as of great consequence, the supplies of provisions and fresh water within our reach. My wife took her youngest son, Franz, to help her to feed the unfortunate animals on board, on board who were in pitiful plight, having been neglected for several days. Fritz hastened to the arms chest, Ernest to look for tools, and Jack went toward the captain's cabin, the door of which he no sooner opened than out sprang two splendid large dogs who testified their extreme delight and gratitude by such tremendous bounds that they knocked their little deliverer completely head over heels, frightening him nearly out of his wits. Jack did not long yield to either fear or anger. He presently recovered himself, 
The dog seemed to ask pardon by licking his face and hands, and so, seizing the larger by the ears, he jumped on his back, and to my great amusement, coolly rode to meet me as I came up the hatchway. When we reassembled in the cabin, we all displayed our treasures that we had just found. Fritz brought a couple of guns, shot belt, powder flasks, and plenty of bullets. Ernest produced a cap full of nails, an axe, and a hammer, chisel, and augers stuck out of all of his pockets. Little Franz carried a box and eagerly began to show us the nice, sharp little hooks it contained. Well done, Franz, I cried. These fish hooks, which you, the youngest, have found, may contribute more than anything else in the ship to save our lives by procuring food for us. Fritz and Ernest, you have chosen well. Will you praise me too, said my dear wife. I have nothing to show, but I can give you good news. Some useful animals are still alive. A cow, a donkey, two goats, six sheep, a ram, and a fine sow. I was just in time to save their lives by taking food to them. All these things are excellent indeed, said I, but my friend Jack here has presented me with a couple of huge, hungry, useless dogs who will eat more than any of us. Oh, Papa, they will be of use. Why, they will help us to hunt when we get on shore. No doubt they will, if ever we do get on shore, Jack. But I must say, I don't know how it is to be done. Can't we each get into a big tub and float there? Returned he. I have often sailed splendidly like that, round the pond at home. My child, you have hit on a capital idea, cried I. Now, Ernest, let me have your tools, hammer, nails, saw, auger, and axe, and then make haste to collect any tubs you can find. We very soon found four large barrels made of sound wood and strongly bound with iron hoops. They were floating with many other things in the water in the hold, but we managed to fish them out and drag them to a suitable place for launching. They were exactly what I wanted, and I succeeded in sawing them across the middle. Hard work it was, and we were glad enough to stop and refresh ourselves with drinks and some biscuits. My eight tubs now stood ranged in a row near the water's edge, and I looked at them with great satisfaction. To my surprise, my wife did not seem to share my pleasure. I shall never, said she, muster courage to get into one of these. Do not be too sure of that, my dear wife. When you see my contrivance completed, you will perhaps prefer it to this immovable rack. I next procured a long, thin plank on which my tubs could be fixed, and the uh, two ends of this I bent upward so as to form a keel. Other two planks were nailed along the sides of the tubs, they also being flexible, were brought to a point at each end and all firmly secured and nailed together. I felt satisfied that in smooth water this craft would be perfectly trustworthy. But when we thought all was ready for the launch, we found, to our dismay, that the grand thing was so heavy and clumsy that even our united efforts could not move it an inch. I must have a lever, cried I. Run and fetch the Captain Barr. 
Fritz quickly brought one, and having formed rollers by cutting up a long spar, I raised the fore part of my boat with the bar, and my sons placed a roller under it. How is it, father? inquired Ernest. That with that thing, you alone can do more than all of us together. I explained as well as I could in a hurry the principle of the lever and promised to have a long talk on the subject of mechanics, should we have a future opportunity. I now made a fast long rope in the stern of our boat, attaching the other end to a beam, then placing a second and third roller under it. We once more began to push this time with success, and soon our gallant craft was safely launched. So swiftly indeed did she guide into the water that before the rope she would have passed beyond our reach. The boys wished to jump in directly, but alas, she leaned so much on one side that they could not venture to do so. Some heavy things being thrown in, however, the boat righted itself by degrees, and the boys were so delighted that they struggled which should first leap in to have the fun of sitting down in the tubs. But it was plain to me at once that something more was required to make her perfectly safe. So I contrived outriggers to preserve the balance by nailing long poles across at the stem and stern and fixing at the end of each empty barrels. Then the boat appearing steady, I got in, and turning it toward the open, most open side of the wreck, I cut and cleared away obstructions, so as to leave a free passage for our departure, and the boys brought oars to be ready for the voyage. This important undertaking we were forced to postpone until the next day, as it was by this time far too late to attempt it. It was not pleasant to have to spend another night in so precarious a situation, but yielding to necessity, we sat down to enjoy a comfortable supper, for during our exciting and incessant work all day, we had taken nothing but an occasional biscuit and a little water. We prepared for the rest in a much happier frame of mind than on the preceding day, but I did not forget the possibility of a renewed storm, and therefore made everyone put on the belts as before, Then, retiring to our berths, peaceful sleep prepared us all for the exertions of the coming day. So now picture, I hope you're picturing those tubs that have been cut in half and attached with boards and is now bobbing in the water. When you think of a wood tub, it'll float if it has nothing in it. And then imagine yourself sleeping on this part of a ship that's stuck in the rocks and the water is splashing up when you've gone to the ocean and you see how the waves can get so big and crash up to things imagine being in that ship and having it crash up against you so what i'd like you to do is think about what is going to happen next are they all safely going to make it to the island what about all the animals on the ship and is the ship going to sink Is it going to stay there in the rocks? And then once they get on this island, do you think they'll find food? So talk about with the people in your car today, if they've ever heard of Swiss Family Robinson before, and what each of your predictions are. What do you think is going to happen? So hope you have a wonderful week, and I'll meet you again next week. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to Commuting with Kids, the weekly podcast created by our host and longtime educational leader, Stacey Caldwell.